This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hi everyone and thanks for listening. This is one of a handful of Four Star Spurs' bonus episodes called Stateside Spurs Series and I'm your host, Catherine. During this series, I'll chat with Spurs fans based in the U.S. about Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, so I certainly hope you join us for a little chat with Stateside Spurs fans. Now, before we start chatting Spurs, let's see who's joining me this time in the conversation. With me this episode is Anna from Chicago, and we'll get to know all about her this episode. So welcome, Anna, and thank you for joining me. Hello, Catherine. It's good to be on today. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you and hear all about your background and, and your about your Spurs fandom. So let's get to it. Yes, let's go. Okay. So tell me first about your connection with the sport of football and your history of maybe playing or watching it growing up or even to this day. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think I speak for a lot of uh, millennial American women in that uh, the 99ers, uh, the yep. U.S. women's <laughs> team, uh, was really my my gateway into uh, the footy fandom. Um, so obviously a huge Mia Hamm, Michelle Akers, Julie Foudy type of gal. Um, and then I kind of dropped off. I didn't play it growing up at all. And then in college, my sorority was really into soccer. A lot of my sorority sisters played intramural. They played for our college. Um, so I kind of got into the spectating aspect of it just to support my friends. Um, and then during 2011, uh, the Women's World Cup in Germany, uh, if you're not a Woso fan, um, you may not know there was a very, very big game and a beautiful cross from Megan Rapinoe to Abby Wambach in the box to save the U.S.'s life and uh, beat Brazil. And that kind of reignited my love of soccer. And then the following year was the uh, 2012 Olympics. Again, uh, national team in the U.S. dominated and I really, really enjoyed watching soccer. It wasn't something that I grew up watching. Uh, being from Chicago, my Sundays were watching the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized that I really enjoyed the fast pace. And, uh, you know, you always knew a game was going to be about two hours, unless extra time. Uh, and that off season, uh, they had announced that the uh, U.S. was getting a league for the women's team. And through that, I started following and supporting the Chicago Red Stars uh, and go Red Stars, even though they're (laughs) right now. Um, But uh, through uh, getting really involved in organizing and supporting the Red Stars, I crossed paths with the Chicago Spurs group. uh, And I think it was 2015 and it was Anne's drunk trolley party. I will omit her age. Uh, (laughs) I'll be polite to... uh, our baking queen. Um, but 
they all showed up to a Red Stars game that summer. Uh, they were absolutely lovely. Um, and we just got to talking about who they supported, how they had heard about the Red Stars. And it came about that they were uh, the Chicago Spurs supporters group. Uh, her husband, Rick, uh, was the chairman at the time. And since our seasons were pretty much opposite at that point in uh, the mm -hmm. scheduling, um, they said, hey, when the Red Stars are done playing for the season, you should come to our local bar, hit us up. We'd love to have you catch a game with us, see if this is something maybe you're interested in. Um, so that fall, I made my way up to the Atlantic and uh, they got me very drunk. We won the game <laughs> and I stayed. <laughs> I have been a member since. The rest is history then. <laughs> so can you tell me, and this is a little bit more focused on the game of football itself, but and not so much Spurs, but can you tell me if you understand a difference between watching Chicago Red Stars versus watching Tottenham and how maybe that affects your fandom? Yeah, I, um, there's a little bit of the physicality um, and just, you know, it's a stereotype, but it's, there's a grain of truth to it of men dive more. Um, they're, they're a little bit more theatrical versus uh, with the Red Stars, you just kind of see that brute strength and then they get up and they just keep playing. Um, but I, what I really enjoyed about Spurs that I didn't necessarily see in the physicality of the Red Stars was the finesse and the, the technical aspect of it. You know, the fancy footwork and the Eric Lamella back heel goals against Arsenal. Like you, mm -hmm. those don't happen uh, in the women's game particularly often. So um, it just brought another technical aspect uh, that's just genuinely enjoyable to watch when it's done correctly and not against your team. Um, but that was definitely something I noticed right away with um, the men aren't as physical as the women. And I think not that they played smarter football, but I think they're more so about connecting the passes and looking for mm -hmm. the gaps versus um, in US women's soccer and holistic, they play a lot of the long ball or they try mm -hmm. and get, get you uh, in that midfield section versus I feel like Spurs, especially an EPL in general, they'd like to play it out of the back. They go back to the goalie a lot more than I think that they do um, in the women's league. You know, our midfields are kind of the Queens here versus you see Hugo or whomever your goalkeeper of choice is um, getting the ball back a lot and then playing it to the, the defenders to then give it to the midfields and then up to the forwards and strikers. That's, that's an interesting assessment just because I know that you do watch a lot of women's soccer and, and as well as Premier League and, and Spurs. So I like that insight that you have. I appreciate you kind of delving into that question. Um, can I ask you then, I know you mentioned about going to the Atlantic and not really ever stopping going to the Atlantic now, but can you tell me a little bit more about your Spurs fandom and what drew you into Tottenham itself? Yeah, so I, at the start of my soccer watching, I did not have an EPL team, so I wasn't already watching it. Um, I didn't particularly want to be waking up at six, seven in the morning on my weekends, um, but uh, it really was genuinely the people. It was, I walked in and I knew maybe two or three people in a bar of there was probably about 50 to 100 people there that day. And everybody welcomed me with open arms, got baked goods shoved in my, my face. 
I asked a bunch of incredibly stupid questions since I didn't know who was who. And everybody was incredibly gracious with their time and their knowledge. And it really just welcomed me into the fandom with me not knowing anything about the history of the club, um, you know, who was on the team, um, how the season was even going. Cause at that point we were probably about two months into the season, but everyone was like, it's okay. Ask your questions. We'll answer them. Um, and that's how I, I think a lot of people end up joining supporters groups or, um, you know, finding their people at the bar is those people who can connect with you and who welcome you with open arms instead of just saying like, Oh, we're winning. And you're like, okay, but like, tell me more. I want to know. I want to learn. Well, and so that would be one of your favorite memories. Or am I just assuming incorrectly in that, not a favorite game, but is that your favorite memory of being able to be drawn in into the official supporters group in Chicago and, and being welcomed like that? You know, it, I would say it's a top two moment. Um, I definitively remember uh, Anne, Rick, and probably Shannon and Anthony paid for my drinks that day. So I got obnoxiously drunk. Uh, so they, they had me there along with the baked goods. But I think one of my favorite memories and what really solidified uh, that they had become part of my football family was the North London Derby. I am blanking on what year it was. It was either 2015 or 2016. Uh, my best friend had gotten married that Saturday. The game was at 11 a.m. on a Sunday. Uh, I missed the first half of the game. We were at capacity. I got there for the second half of the game. I still had the curls in my hair. I was wearing, you know, I hadn't been able to change into my, my kit yet. And I like run into the bar and I, I just made it as the second half was beginning and everyone just turned and they're like, you made it, you came. And everyone freaked out. <laughs> I had not anticipated making this game whatsoever. And they, you know, ram shoved me in so that I could still enjoy it. And I just remembered body to body and everyone was so happy to be there. We ended up winning that game. I remember it was one of the first times I think I had been a Spurs supporter and I'd seen us beat Arsenal. Um, Rick busted out the good Jameson for the victory shots. And it was just like the absolute collective joy. And the bar, if the bar could rock, I think the bar would have been knocked over with just the amount of noise and happiness that was happening in this bar. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite Spurs memories ever. So focusing on memories, but more so on games, do you have a specific favorite game that you've seen of Spurs, whether in person or on TV? Um, you know, I think the first time I ever saw Spurs in person, even though we didn't win the game, was one of my favorites. It was the trip with Chicago Spurs in May of 2016. They played Southampton. They lost 2-1, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was the first time I saw them, but it was also the last home game at White Hart Lane before they had started tearing it down for the new stadium. Um, and it was just, even though we, we lost, everybody, again, just had great energy. And it was really interesting because it was the first time I'd really seen all the different supporters groups interact with each other because, you know, grow, being in Chicago, mm -hmm. I saw Chicago Spurs. And then if we ever had people from out of town, they'd come. But, you know, there was the Chicago Spurs. And then, of course, all the locals. I think 
there was some people from Austin uh, or somewhere in Texas uh, that same game and the same thread of that the game that uh, we played against Man City down in Nashville of, you know, seeing everybody's scarves to see where they're coming from. And, you know, Nashville Spurs, Mini Spurs, San Diego, New York, and just seeing how everybody is so different coming from different walks of life, but we all have this one collective love of a chicken out of basketball, which is Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit more than besides Southampton, can you tell me a little bit more about your games that you've seen in person and maybe favorite memories or favorite anecdotes of those trips that you, I know you, because I know you've taken them. Can you tell me a little bit? <laughs> yes. Um, so the, the game over to London um, was also incredibly special because there was a supporters dinner after the fact. Um, and two things happened. And um, the first was I met Ozzy and Ludley King. And still being a relatively new Spurs fan, it didn't hit me at how cool that is. It wasn't until I like really started getting more into it. I was like, oh, holy shit, I just met some legends. <laughs> so like it didn't really click then. But as I've, you know, been in uh, the sporting culture longer, it's just a memory that I cherish. Um, and the other thing that wasn't even football related, but we were sitting at dinner I was uh, with some of the Chicago gals and I admired uh, a lady's hat. She had a, a purple brimmed uh, with the cockerel like snapback hat. And I said, oh, I really like your hat. Where'd you get it? And she said, oh, I got it at the store. My daughter found it for me. I was like, oh, it's really nice. And she's like, yeah, just go to the store and get one. Well, the store had closed and I we were moving on to uh, different parts of the UK. So I was like, oh, well, I'm leaving tomorrow, I can't go get one, but that's okay. It's good to know that they have it. Maybe I'll see if I can get it shipped. And she just took it off her head, put it on my head and said, here, it's yours now, and gave me the hat. And I was like, are you, are you sure? I Can I pay you? Do you like want a scarf? Like, can we like swap and trade? And she's like, no, no, it's yours. Have fun, have good memories with it. And so oh. that's the hat that I have worn to all the Spurs games that I have mm -hmm. attended since. So if you ever see me in the bar with the snapback on, a very lovely British woman gave it to me <laughs> at White Hart Lane. That's a wonderful story. I, I, it's like the generosity of soccer fans in general is insane. And I love that it's a global thing. It's not just like a, a women's thing or like a U.S. thing. It's genuinely any true soccer fan that I've ever met. It's just so thrilled when they meet someone who enjoys the game as much as they do. That's so true. I think, and it's so cliche, but I think that that's why football is called the beautiful game, because not only is it beautiful, like what you've been saying with women's soccer in that it can be a little bit rough at times. And then with the men's game, it can be a little bit more of finesse. And so when you put it all together, though, it's so beautiful in its own right on the pitch, but then also within the supporters community or within specific relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think you just nailed that right on the head then. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to explain to people who aren't into soccer. It's like, it's something you feel and it's something you witness and it's something you're very happy to partake and be a part of, but it's very hard to explain to someone who is not 
experienced it themselves. Mm-hmm. Which is why more people should just enjoy Listen, it and experience I, it. <laughs> I solicit every friend I make to come to a Red Stars game or to get them to the Atlantic. I have no shame. <laughs> I'm yes. slowly getting everyone I know into soccer so that and for all the listeners, it. you should do the same too. You Find a friend, bring to the bar. We'll have a ball. Exactly. So uh, I want to kind of move the conversation then more to on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And I want to know who your favorite player has been overall throughout your fandom, but then also current favorite player. For soccer purposes, the answer for both is human sung. Uh, my large adult son. I love him so much. I, it is an absolute joy to watch him play because I think he's just genuinely a very happy man. And he looks like he's having the time of his life every time he's playing. Um, the woman in me uh, says Nasser Chadley. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the, the women in Chicago Spurs will appreciate that. Um, we all love our, uh, our Nasser Chadley, the chant, the man, the hair the abs uh so not particularly for his his soccer style while it is impressive um and he he, ha- he has scored and shushed the crowd at the emirates so yeah, that the, is something his swagger it's there um yeah he was he was my eye candy he was always my eye candy while he was on the team um so i was very upset when he stopped playing for spurs um but yeah uh sunny sunny's my go to he's actually the only personalized Spurs kit I have. Cause I'm always, I always have terrible luck of if I put someone's name on a kit, they either get traded or in the women's case, they get married and they change their names. So I'm always like, do I want to do that? Uh, but no son, I fully committed because I know he will be a Spur for a very long time. So uh, yeah, I love watching him play. And you mentioned Chadley then. Do you have a favorite part of the pitch that you enjoy watching players in? Because Chadley and Son are more midfield forwards. Mm-hmm. And are you cool with in liking a Larice or, or oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Kyle well, Walker from the past? Mm, he he's in my he's in my eleven, as much as it paint me a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I actually really, really love defenders. I think they are uh, the thankless heroes of the pitch uh, because you never really see when they're having a good game. You just really notice when they're having a bad game. Um, but, you know, like Toby and Supriyan, a great pairing. I loved watching the two of them play together. But I think your eyes always drawn to where the ball is and you always are watching it more when there's an attack on on your screen um so yeah I always am like oh the goal scorers or the the playmakers um but I appreciate all 11 players um but yeah I think I usually you I'm always drawn to the attackers but I do have a very soft spot in my heart for the defenders well and I ask because I know that that comes up a lot in conversation and a lot of people solely get forwards on for the name on the back of their kits that they buy or they solely get the long sleeve goalkeeper kit which Mm. I get but I get 
super hot in the long sleeve. And so I could never get yes. a goalkeeper kit ever, I don't think. Well, but, was, was it with you? The women's kit isn't long enough to get Alderweireld on the back because I actually did someone. It was someone within Chicago uh, where the ladies' cut of the the kit is too petite to get Toby's whole last name on the back. And so, because I looked into that, because I was like, oh, it's a great last name. He's a great player. It will not fit. I eventually did get the Alderweireld women's kit, but I think because I got a larger size. Got because it. I wanted it to fit. <laughs> that's how it fits. Okay. You you've <laughs> got to commit. You've got to commit to the right size. Noted. I don't even care if it fits me. <laughs> I just want Alderweireld on the back of my my shirt. <laughs> no, they just need to make the font a little bit smaller so we can all have Toby's last name. Yes. So uh, speaking more about Chicago Spurs, as I know you you are a part of Chicago Spurs, how would you characterize not Chicago Spurs themselves, but the generic American Spurs supporter. But then also, how would you describe a memory or a game that you think has really made an impact on you with being part of the American Spurs community? Yeah, um, so I think the two words that I would describe any Spurs fan from the U.S. is dedicated and insane. Um, <laughs> dedicated because even if you're on the East Coast, you're waking up early for a lot of those games. So you really have to truly love what you're doing to make a 5 or a 6 a.m. game. The West Coast people, God love you, because I don't know if I would want to wake up at 3 or 4 in the morning for a, for a soccer match. Um, and then insane, because not only are you voluntarily getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning on your weekend, but you know, Spurs have not always been the most consistent of teams. Um, it's very easy, especially in the U.S., to pick one of the big four and, you know, be a bandwagoner. And that's fine if that's how you want to live your life. I'm not going to call you out on that. But um, I think to actively choose Spurs, not being born into it, not because you're from North London, but as an American, you're like, yes, that is the team I want. I think you have to be a little bit crazy because – we can't guarantee you that we're going to win a trophy. Uh, we can't guarantee you that you're always going to get quality on the pitch. We can't even guarantee you a manager at this point. So you just, whoa, whoa, to- whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, you kind of have to, you have to be able to roll with the punches and you kind of have to have a little bit of that mentality of like, mm-hmm. we're going to take whatever comes our way. And, you know, we still love the team no matter what form they're in. And I think, there's a little bit of insanity to that. I And that's fine. I think everybody has a little bit of crazy. It's just how you channel it. And Spurs supporters put it into soccer. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say we're a dedicated and insane bunch. Um, and then what was the second half to your question? Sorry, that was uh, – I should not have <laughs> asked you two questions in one. What is a memory of being – in the American Spurs community itself, not specifically Chicago Spurs, but what is one of your favorite memories or something of impact that you've seen or experienced within the American Spurs community? Um, I think of two things, two really 
fond memories, one happy, one not so happy. Um, I The first one I'll go with the happy is um, during the Nashville, the ICC games, uh, there was five side going on. And at that point, um, everybody's supporters groups were playing with each other. Uh, and everybody was just really welcoming. Um, Ludley King and Charlie Kane had uh, showed up. Um, so it was really cool just to see that kind of integration of front office and people who are really attached with the the team coming out to a supporters event and just kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just think that it was something I hadn't experienced in any setting before. Uh, usually with professional sports, it's you show up, you watch the game, you go home versus soccer. I feel like there's a lot more of that connection with your front office and mm-hmm. your club. Um, so that was really cool to see play out with a Premier League team versus some of the more homegrown leagues in the U.S. where they want that interaction because they're trying to build the fan base. Um, the other the other one, which is a, a little bit on the sadder side, was uh, one of the Spurs supporters from I can't remember which Carolina it was, but um, he had passed away in an accident and uh, just seeing the outpouring of love from everyone around the world, um, you know, sending love to his home bar and his family. And I think they got uh, the GoFundMe that they had uh, set up uh, to help with some of the funeral expenses and to help his widow um, was immediately matched. I mean, just the, the generous outpouring of love and, you know, again, someone that most of us have never met, but uh, making sure that his family was taken care of, that his bar knew that everyone was thinking of him and, you know, keeping them in their thoughts and prayers or whatever deity you pray to. Um, and it, that's just something, again, you can't explain. And it's just, it's such a moving thing to know. I didn't know you, but you were one of us. And, you know, we're going to do everything we can to keep your legacy alive. Mm-hmm. I remember that that instance of seeing all the tweets on on Twitter and all the messages on social media, and I think you've mentioned the, the word twice, and I think that including dedication and insanity, I think that you would probably agree that generosity or being generous is another word or or phrase to characterize the American Spurs community just because of
you do get to know so many people and it becomes a family. Right. Yeah. You've got your regular family and then you have your footy family. And, you know, that's the one thing I love about not only my U.S. supporters groups, but, you know, if I need anything or if I'm having a hard time or if I need help or I'm going to travel somewhere, I know I can reach out to those groups and say, hey, do you have anybody? Do you know anybody? And I can be welcomed with open arms or given recommendations or, um, you know, given tips for a trip. Um, everyone has always been incredibly gracious and generous with their time. That's wonderful. So to kind of close out the this chat, why don't I get your favorite starting 11? And this is from you picking it, pretty much asking who are your favorite 11 players? Way to put the pressure on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the pod, uh, I am a newer member. So if I have left off some of the legends, apologies, I did not watch them. <laughs> so I uh, I didn't want to put... So you're not saying you're going to put people from like the 1970s? You know, I had I have, <laughs> I have two people in my lineup who I did not see play. Um, just because of like outside circumstances that I will get to, uh, everybody else is a, a newer ish player, uh, to, you know, two thousands and on. Um, so, okay. I wrote it down too, because I have the memory of a goldfish. Um, okay. So my goalkeeper is obviously Hugo, uh, I, poor Hugo. <laughs> he, he had a rough day today for, for those listening we re- are recording this on the day that France lost to Switzerland in the Euros yeah he had an excellent PK and I was very proud of him but he had a rough day at the office today um all right and then my defenders um so the first of the people that I actually did not see play but I did include in my lineup is Ludley King um, just because I have met him post playing and he mm-hmm. is a wonderful gentleman. Um, so nice. So nice. I ran into him several times. And he's always just such a nice guy. So even if he only has one knee, he's on my team. Um, and then my dynamic duo of Jan Vertonghen and Toby Aldeveld. Uh Also some of the best chance, you know, that, that also factored into my uh, decision making of Whose chant do I really enjoy? Those two. Um, And then rounding out my defense is Kyle Walker. Uh, Even if he did uh, go over to Man City and do great things, I think he's an incredible player. uh, And I miss him dearly. And then uh, moving into my midfield. um, So the other player that I never saw, um, but I did add... Uh, was Aussie. Uh, and I, I think that's uh, understandable for most. Um, mm-hmm. I actually didn't fully appreciate what he had done for Spurs and how big of a deal he was until I watched his 30 for 30 episode uh, recently, like during the pandemic. Um, so I I really came to love him more than Aussie's dream and, you know, him being a legend at the, <laughs> the club um, to really his backstory and just endeared by him even more. And then uh, again, going with the chance and that he was an incredible player and I'm mad that he left uh, Musa Dembele. Uh, 
I love, I love Moose. Um, and then final, uh, wishing him the speediest of recoveries, uh, Christian Eriksen. I mean, he's, he was one of my favorite players when he played for Spurs. I, you know, I understood his leaving. Uh, I wish him all the best in the world and hopefully he can come back to soccer, but obviously his health will take priority. And the fact that I got to see him play in person was so phenomenal. Um, and then for my 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 striking team, if you will, um, obviously Harry Kane. I mean, you can't have the gold boot winner not on mm-hmm. there. Um, human son, because again, my large adult son. And then <laughs> I have Gareth Bale, but I did annotate that I want the first iteration of Gareth Bale, not the current <laughs> iteration of Gareth Bale. Although I do like his man bun right now. Um, I I think. Younger, less injury-prone Gareth Bale is who I'd want in my starting eleven. Although he, uh, he's doing, he was doing very well for Wales. So who knows? Maybe he'll get back to full form. But if I have to pick between then and now, Gareth, I'm, I'm picking the younger Gareth. And that's that's fair. <laughs> and that that sounds like a decent starting eleven. So who knows? They could go on to win something in their day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that was it. So thank you, Anna. I appreciate you joining me. Of course. Thank you for having me. This has been a delight. Well, I'm glad you could make it on. And that's the end of the episode. So thank you again to Anna for joining me this episode. And to you listeners out there, make sure you follow and subscribe to Four Star Spurs wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like the pod and fancy doing us a favor, write us a review. Also, thank you to Charlie for the music, Kevin for social media, Kimberly for the logo, and Four Star Spurs for the use of the brand. And don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Star Spurs. That's all for now. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you.